Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne of grace. We find mercy here all the time. You're full of mercy. There's never a lack of mercy for us and grace to help us, that empowerment to, to believe you, that, that you can get the job done and that you'll do what you say you're going to do. So we thank you for all of these opportunities, Lord, all these advantages. Thank you to open our ears, our hearts, our minds. Just open us up. Speak to us today, Lord, the things we need to hear. They may not even have anything to do with the need that we have that we know of, but we need to hear it. And so we thank you, Lord, for blessing us to hear your word today. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So today I thought we'd uh, teach from the the topic, uh, Die Another Day. Amen. You can can make that choice. You know, God created us to live forever. Uh, That's one thing. And God's original plan is never altered. It's never thwarted. I mean, a holy God doesn't have to change his mind. He doesn't have to correct himself. Everything that he does is pure, without blame. And so this is the way we have to approach God's word. It will come to pass because he's not going to alter it. Amen. And so he doesn't have to because he can certainly make happen what he says is going to happen. He can certainly do it and he wants to do it. So death really is an enemy and uh, it will be defeated. Uh, amen. It was defeated at the cross and, and the Bible says the last enemy to be defeated is death. Amen. So because God created us to live forever, he created us for him because he lives forever. Amen. Jesus was the only man who was born to die with the purpose of dying. Amen. The Bible says he tasted death for every man, tasted it on our behalf. So we don't we don't really die, die. We really cross over. We exit to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. And so when we think about, uh, death, you, you just really, you have exited your body when that happens. Uh, your body is left here. Uh, that's why they call it remains. It wouldn't be remains if there wasn't something that left. And left it remaining. Amen. So, so, so anyway, uh, uh, I was listening to, um, Dean Braxton and his account of going to heaven. And he was saying that, uh, he said, now I didn't really die. He said, and I know I didn't die. He said, I was alive the whole time I was leaving my body and, and going into heaven. And so, That reminded me of the scripture that Jesus tasted death for every man. So we don't have to die. Amen. And so it's, it's amazing the things that you learn once you stick your mind over into it and let God start to teach you, give you some understanding of things. So, so it's, it's not really a thing that we can fear anymore. It is an enemy. Death is, but we can put it off. We can live longer. We can live out the length of days that God has prescribed for us to live out. 
And so I think that's, that's the important thing about health and healing is that it, it, um, it eliminates the prospect of dying before your time. When you can look to God for healing, uh, it eliminates that prospect that you will be here for as long as God tells you you're going to be here. Amen. And sometimes people can do get more years. Amen. The Bible talks about numbers of years, 120, 70, 80, uh, by reason of strength. Amen. So if you remain strong and you remain purposeful, uh, there is an unlimited number of days that you can live. Amen. Uh, I was just speaking with somebody uh, yesterday, and they said their mother was now in her 90s, like 96 years old. And I thought, wow. She said, and I spend a lot of time with her and making sure she's still doing what she wants to do and, and all of that, you know. So, uh, so it's just a good thing to understand that God is for life. He will do everything he can to support and encourage life down here. Amen. <clears throat> We are empowered with what the world refers to as the will to live. Amen. As the will to live. So that is an indication that God's life is in us even when we're not saved. Amen. Uh, we all come into this world with the breath of life comes into us at the time of birth. And that really keeps going until we expire. That first breath. Uh, generates enough will to live and enough life. Uh, everybody fights death. You know, we, we resist it. And it, it is a known enemy. If it wasn't an enemy, we wouldn't fight it. Amen. Uh, when you eat food, you're fighting death. When you're exercise, you're fighting death. When you go out and work, you're fighting death. You're doing all these things to keep life and the things pertaining to life within your reach. Amen. So, so the spirit of death, uh, has other lesser demons under its command. Destruction is one. Sickness is another one. Accidents, collision, injury, all these work under the command of Apollyon or the spirit of, of death. Amen. Or death and Apollyon is one of his henchmen. So, um, <clears throat> Psalms 23 reminds us that there is a valley of the shadow of death, that a perilous place where uh, people may find themselves from time to time, you might have a, what they call a brush with death or a close call or, or something like that, where uh, you know that you could have left here, but, amen. So then there's the will of God. So whenever a life is spared, that means the will of God has intervened in that situation and brought that person out of darkness back into light. So when it's, he says, Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Amen. So God is with everybody at all times even when they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. So our purpose, um, <clears throat> our purpose really is to um, stay in life, choose life, 
The Bible tells us we can do that. Choose life so that you and your seed will live. So the choice that a person makes toward life can flow on to others. Amen. It's an inheritance then for your children. Your children will, will, will get uh, the benefit of your choice when you choose life. Amen. Uh, Psalm 23 assures us that when death looms, God is with us and he fights for us. Amen. He's not with us to let death overtake us. Life comes with us and it fends off death on our behalf. Amen. So God wants us always to choose life. When we choose life, we choose him. Amen. We choose him. So living really is a choice. It's a choice. Um, There are many people who say uh, they are waiting to be healed. But God has something totally different in mind for us than to wait. Because in that waiting place, death may easily overtake you. Amen. We've all seen it happen. Sometimes they're Christians where they think they're waiting on God to do something when God is really waiting on them to choose life. Amen. So when you choose life, I believe God sends the rest of the stuff you need to help you live to you. Amen. So it's real simple. All we have to do is make the choice. God, I don't want to die. I want to live. And then God begins to send the help that you need for living. Or he will speak to you what to do to make sure you recover. Make sure that you uh, stay in life and that you have you live out the days that he ordained for you to live out and do the things that he set you here in life to do. Amen? So when we decide, when we make that decision for life, it's very, very important for us to look for the next instruction. Amen. So you choose life and that's an expression of your faith. You, by faith, you have obeyed the scripture where Jesus says, choose life so that you and your seed shall live. So you have faith in the game, so to speak. You've got faith in it now when you make that choice. So then God is obligated to help your faith. He's obligated to help the faith that you're exercising right now at this point and when we do that we find that he will begin to open up the next step wisdom revelation knowledge understanding suppose you don't know much bible god will begin to speak to you and tell you things that will help your life he'll tell you things say for instance if it's something that you need medical attention say for instance you've fallen out of a tree or something like that and you call for god god i don't want to die help me i want to live you know whatever then he will set in motion everything else that you need to get you the help that you need and and it's good to keep your faith in it and keep expecting to get better because we can do that you know you can expect Everything, most of this is a decision. It's a matter of deciding what to do. It, it's not so much 
uh, am I doing the right thing or am I, what do I need to do next? And all of that is really about staying with the decision to live. Amen. And don't get talked out of it. Don't get discouraged. Don't get, don't change your mind. And so once you decide life and you stay in life, and you decide that life is worth living, even though you may have some challenges in your recovery, you can expect God to help you just on that first one decision that you made. Amen? So it's done on the basis of the one decision that we make to choose life. Amen? And then he will come and give the help that we need to keep that life going. Amen? To keep it strong. To keep it uh, productive, to keep it meaningful, all of the other things that go with it, God will provide all of those things. And then sometimes he gives us special instructions for how to help our faith, how to stay in faith, how to really believe him, how to stay out of unbelief and all of that. So the Holy Spirit then undertakes to work with us, amen, and encourage our faith. So we're not in this <clears throat> alone god's not quizzing us as to how much we know and putting us out there like we you know you got to come up to a certain level before he'll honor your prayer or anything like that he's very very merciful you know if you see how jesus treated people he would he would ask him what can i do for you i mean he's so easy to receive from it's and it's amazing how sometimes we get in a sudden i know i'm guilty we get into such struggles about, oh boy, am I doing this enough? Am I doing that enough? Am I here? Da, 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 da. And, and if you put it before God and make it a real request before Him, He'll help you. Many times though, what we'll do is we'll get, get concerned about why is it taking so long? Where, when am I going to get this? When am I going to do that? And we never really make an honest request to God about what to do. You know, because sometimes there is something else we can do. Number one, we can quit being so worried about getting stuff. Because that, that, when you start talking like that, it's often some doubt mixed in there. You know, and, and so we can't be doubting. Or we won't see anything. But once that little bout, that little fit of doubt is over, then we go back to business as you. We never get the request made to him as to maybe you do need to adjust your prayer. Maybe you do need to spend a little more time at worship. Maybe you do need to listen to him more. Maybe you do need. But see, we're so afraid we're going to get more to do. Even though we're asking for more to do, that we just drop the whole thing and go right off until the next time we realize we don't have it yet. And then we get in a panic and what am I doing wrong? How do I need to do this? I don't know to do that. It's good to keep a regular, whenever you're trusting God for an answer, I think, it's good to set up a regular time to spend time with him. Cause that slips away from us so easily as Christians. You know, the minute you find something that presses in on your time, you're off and running after that. Instead of taking that time, cause that time you spend with God 
can set the tone for the whole day. I mean, it can set your day on the best course ever if you if you get with him, and I would say get with him early, because the more you put it off, the harder it's going to be to stop what you're doing and go back and start all over again. If you can't do it, you know, traditionally, what did, what did most people say when you saw somebody praying, it was at bedtime at night and kneeling at the side of the bed. That's a traditional quiet time with God because you can steal your mind. You don't have today's activities pressing in on you. You don't have anything like that. You just have time at the end of the day to spend with him. And it doesn't matter if you do at bedtime or early. Do you understand what I'm saying? Time is time. And and it's precious to spend it with God whenever you spend it. But do it consistently. And that way you'll see consistent results. You'll see consistent. Because when if you do it regularly, you won't have these little fits of what did I do? How do I do? Why is it taking so long? You'll have checked in with him already. And he'll give you reassurance that you're on the right track. Or he'll add things to it. He'll add revelation. He'll give you new understanding. He'll give you an opportunity to to grow and to learn and to get more. And pretty soon before you know it, you've got what you're believing for. And you didn't even notice how long it's taken. Because you're, you've spent your time in the realm of the spirit, communing with God, fellowshipping with God. And boy, that takes the weight and the sting and the pain out of everything. You know, that fellowship, it just takes, you just, you just so content and you think to yourself, man, all that time I spent worrying about how long it was taken and, and it still hasn't come yet. And I'm just as peaceful about it. You know, my cage can't be rattled that easily. I'm, I'm there. You know, and I think that's what God wants us all to realize that we really live out of the fruit of the spirit and not out of stuff we think we're waiting for. And I think he's waiting for us to make the transition over into living out of the spiritual fruit instead of always looking for the answer. When am I going or the promise? When will I get my stuff? And so your stuff is in the in the the fruit. That's the stuff we're looking for. Because really, the reason time bothers us is we let it get on our minds. We let it talk to us and tell us, oh, look how long it's been. You must be doing something wrong. Amen. And so in order to stay out of that, it's good to stay in God's presence. It's good to stay in his face. It's good to stay in his, you know, even in your mind, just thoughts. You can have thoughts toward God and and begin to meditate on scripture, meditate on the word and say, God, you know, this is so good. And, and, you know, I want to get more of this and, you know, that, and that doesn't take any extra, extra special place or, you know, got to put my quiet time on the calendar and all that. It just is your community when you're walking with him and continual fellowship and letting his thoughts be your thoughts. So much of what we we go through, I think, when we we have difficulties can be avoided by setting aside time, getting your word, get some worship on whatever <clears throat> whatever you do to commune with God and talk to him, contact him. 
God, I thank you that, that this is, this is what you have for me. And I thank you that this is good. And I'm just going to thank you some more for the things that haven't come in yet. You understand what I'm saying? I'm thanking you some more for that. And, you know, just letting you know. And really, when you begin to thank God for things you haven't seen in the natural yet, what you're doing is you're keeping yourself in faith. See, you're not doing that to tell God anything or remind him like he needs reminding. You know, we throw enough hints already as it is. Huh? Just... It's like a wife at Christmas or Valentine's Day. You know, they start, is that right, Poppy? <laughs> leaving little, leaving little rose petals on your pillow. And you know what I'm saying. Always fishing for the goods. Amen. So we do that with God enough. We always got a little fleece out there seeing how he's feeling about it. He feels about it the same way he did the first time you asked him. Amen. He said he already offered it to you. He's waiting for us to say yes and amen. Amen. And so it's already given. I mean, it's not about him not wanting you to have it. That's never the situation. Amen. Never the situation. So he has it. He has it laid up for you. He's waiting for you to say yes and amen. I receive it. I have it now. Thank you, God. And just continue to remind yourself to live with a heart of thanksgiving. God, ooh, I thank you for that. God, you're so good. You said it won't be long now, and I'm so happy you told me that because that was really a worry for me, Lord. I'm going to be honest with you. I was concerned about it, but I'm thankful you answered me and said it won't be long now. So I thank you for that. And see, that opens up a whole different door of relationship with him, a whole different door of revelation. You can begin to share things with God and he'll begin to tell you more things and and help you to come into understanding. So your thoughts are his thoughts. You have more of his thoughts from from spending just a little bit of time with him. Uh, because a small door of time opens up a bigger door. Did that door stay open as wide as it needs to be as long as you're willing to go into fellowship with him? It just will. And and that's the beauty part of it. We think we need to set aside 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Just just go ahead and contact him. Call him up. You know, you don't do that with your friends when you call them. You don't talk about how much time you're going to spend. <laughs> you just call them and see where the conversation goes. Amen. And I think we need to do that more with God. Amen. Is worth it because he wants to hear from us. So, so anyway, but like I said before, many people are waiting to be healed. You could die in that process. Amen. God has something totally different in mind for you than to wait for death to overtake you. He says, choose life. And this choice also covers your seed. He instructed Israel to choose life. Amen. When they were being <clears throat> in Numbers chapter 21, if you'll turn there, they were being bit by fiery serpents. Numbers 
In verse 5. <clears throat> Start in verse 4. They journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Now, they are having a little difficulty walking. Amen. That's really all that's going on. They're, you know, when you have to put in some effort, everybody is concerned about how much effort it's going to take. And this is what happened to them over and over again. They were journeying to a place that, that they had never seen before. So many times we ask God for something, uh, we haven't gone this way before. It's new to us. We need to keep our eyes and ears open and, and, you know, it's like if you decided to go on a vacation and sightseeing, you wouldn't be discouraged because you got to go to this place and that place and they put you on a bus and then they put you on a van and then they take you on a boat and all that. You say, oh boy, this is exciting. Huh? Choice sometimes makes all the difference in the world. I'll say it again. Choice sometimes makes all the difference in the world. Because if you choose something, you can own it, be responsible, and then make up your mind you're not going to complain about anything. You're going to enjoy the trip. But if you don't choose it, that's when people have to really make the, the choice to be mature and trust God, to look for the good in something, to, you know, kind of, kind of not get stuck in the complaint mode and not get stuck in the discouragement mode. Because many times when we, we decide we want to step out in faith and believe God for things, that's the great unknown. Number one, you don't know when it's going to happen. Number two, you don't know what it's going to take to make it happen. That's what faith is, is, is the unknown. You know you're going somewhere. You know you have a goal. You know you have a request. You know you have a prayer. But you don't know when. You don't know how. And you don't know the road that it's going to take. And so God would 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 test them to see if they would trust him. Because God has to have our trust in order to help us. He can't bring you into anything kicking and screaming and complaining. And so Israel winds up in this 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 kind of basket often that it gets to a place where it's a little difficult for them, even though God fed them supernaturally every morning and every evening, they still, when they get to something new and challenging, they still fall back into the same pattern of discouragement and, and you know, that kind of stuff. And so it says the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Now, that's quite a statement. God's feeding them, clothing them, all of that kind of stuff, but they're, they've come upon something that's new and challenging. And that kind of mindset can attack any of us. Where you get to a place, anybody ever been there? God say, okay, go ahead and do this, and you do it, and then it gets hard, and you say, well, maybe he didn't tell me to do this. See what I'm saying? And as though that makes a difference to him. 
See, sometimes even though we may be challenged in something, or suppose God didn't tell you to do it, he'll He'll let you come out of it with some kind of fruit. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it may not be exactly what what you thought it was going to be, but he'll have you come out victorious. He promises us victory in every situation. What makes the difference? You go to God and say, God, you know what? I don't know if you told me to do this or not. It's looking pretty bad right here. Amen. Please help me. Bring me out. Get me out of this. Help me get through. Amen. And sometimes you need to just stand on what you've already declared. God, I believe you told me this, whether you did or whether you didn't. I'm asking you to help me. Tell me the next step. I know you're going to get me through this. So just show me the way. Show me the next step. Amen. And and see, Israel, they were so caught up in the difficulty that they began to think that God did not have the best in mind for them when he brought them out of Egypt. Amen. Even though they begged to get out. And so you can see how easy it is. The carnal mind, if you stay over in the carnal mindset, that mindset is never satisfied with anything. Wasn't satisfied in Egypt. Now it's not satisfied in the wilderness, even though they know God's already always provided for them. Amen. And so it's in he they spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, is no any water, and our soul is is uh is is angry or loathsome of this light bread. So here they had provision. See, they got manna every morning, and so they didn't like it anymore. Even though God provided. See, this preference complaining comforts. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that can get to be an issue after a while. See, like when they first start out on the journey, they didn't think twice about following Moses. Because they knew God always provided. And that he provided manna in the morning, quail in the evening. So they had bread and meat every day. Get as much as they could eat. And there was every day, the next day, it was right there. And that was God's saying to them, I want you to, to look to me for daily provision. Make contact with me every day. See, that's, that's what it's really pointing to. And, and so in not making contact with God or not remembering God, it did not, but you know, if, if they, if they got up and had manna that morning, did they thank him for it? See, just having that contact of thanksgiving can keep the complaints off of you. That'll take you at least till evening when you get your quail. Amen. And you thank him for that. And then at bedtime, you thank him for the next morning. I'm looking forward to it the next morning. So they had no thanksgiving in them for what God was providing. So it says that the people came to Moses, verse 7, and said, We have sinned. Amen. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of them died. Amen. What you speak, you receive. Amen. They were speaking evil about God, 
and his servant Moses. So God had no choice. He wanted to bless them. But you keep talking, you'll see what your words bring. Amen? And so God had always admonished them. When he, in, uh, um, when he, when they came to the bitter waters of Mara, he told them, amen, that, that they would have to, he would bless their bread. If they would obey him, he would bless their bread and their water and take sickness away from the midst of them. Amen. So they were under a covenant already to be obedient. And so your words are the first thing. Your mind is the first thing that will turn to disobedience. It'll get a crazy thought, and then it keeps thinking it, and it gets real, and you act on it. Amen. That's why Brother Hagen, I, I, I like the way he taught faith. He said, um, he said, um, thoughts that are not acted on die unborn. So you can have a thought. That you're not going to live. You're going to die of this sickness. But if you don't ever act on it, if you don't ever pull the plug on yourself and tell the doctor, I can't take, I can't take this anymore. You understand what I'm saying? You can have that thought go through your head and not bear any fruit because you don't consider it. You don't make it real. You don't let it take root and begin to express it. Amen. That's why you don't speak death over sick people. You know, you always tell them they're going to get better. You know, you can go to anybody's hospital and they won't tell you you're going to die unless the doctor decides you need to know and set your affairs in order. You understand what I'm saying? But they're always for life. They're always pumping life into people. And so this is something that, that humanity understands is very, very important to speak words of life. To make sure you stay in life. Amen. And they said so many negative things and so many critical things and so many, I don't want to do this anymore. Would to God we had died in Egypt. They even said that. And so after a while, those words are going to bear fruit. Amen. I'm sure there were people who, the people probably got bit and died were bigger complainers than the ones who I mean, you know what I'm saying. It comes out of your mouth. See what I'm saying? And so the people came to Moses. That's when they woke up. They said, oh boy, God told us if we obeyed him, he would bless our bread and water and take sickness from the midst of us. And we're sick and dying now. Something's wrong. And so they said, we have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents and Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make you a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looks upon it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole and it came to pass. That if the serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Amen. So now this, this, this fiery serpent on a, a pole could, could have a lot of different interpretations, I guess, you know, and, and people have given their, you know, understanding of why, why put the serpent on a pole? Well, it represents Christ. Uh, taking sin on his body on the cross. You know, that's part of it. The other part is, though, is confronting your sin. 
you got to look at, you did that to yourself. But God in his mercy is taking as long as you acknowledge it. Amen. As long as you acknowledge what you've done wrong, God will forgive you and he will heal you. Amen. And so this is part of what they experience here. Um, this serpent, it's it, it such, it made such an impression on humanity and, and the story was handed down, I'm sure, from generation to generation in Israel that it was picked up even in the, uh, latter, latter centuries as a symbol for, for the medical profession. Amen. Everybody seen the caduceus is what they call it. It, 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 it is a symbol of medicine and healing. Amen. <clears throat> and so it has power. In fact, they took it with them everywhere they went for a lot of years, you know. <laughs> it just, <laughs> and they, you know, gave it another name and, and, you know, it, it, it became like after a while it was kind of like a relic because they lost the, the revelation behind it, you know, it was for that period and for that time, and then they moved on. But God wants us to always have the courage to confront whatever sickness is attacking our bodies. See, this is our symbol that because of the cross, you can confront cancer, you can confront heart disease, you can confront high blood pressure, you can confront all of these things and command them to leave and take a floor. You can stare them down and dare them to hurt you. Amen. So you don't have to be afraid of it anymore. So the thing that God, what they feared, then God made them confront their fear of these serpents. And as they confronted and looked at it, they saw, ah, it's not hurting me anymore. I'm healed of that bite. I don't have to run from this anymore. I can confront this as long as I do it in obedience to God. See, obedience was the whole thing. Being able to stare at something that you used to run away from takes faith. Amen? takes faith and it takes God. So God was the one who gave them the, the courage and the strength to confront what it was that used to overtake them, or at least a replica of it anyway. I'm sure the picture of a snake is almost as powerful to some people as a snake is. So, but anyway, so, so there we, we see a principle of how not to die. Amen how to put off death and claim life, even though they were dying of the serpent bites, people began to come to their senses and ask God for mercy. They didn't have access to God personally. They had to go through the intercessor Moses, but they did that, and they were able to find out what to do to get rid of this and live. Many of them probably began to recover once they confessed. And said, we have sinned and we have done wrong. And go back to obeying God. Amen. But God did give them a point of contact for them to know. See, he gives you a remedy all the time. You don't have to try and figure it out. What do I need to do to get my healing faster? What do I, He's got a remedy for that. And he will give it to you. So he gave it to them there. And they were rescued from their own bad 
confession and their own complaining. If, if, if that doesn't teach you anything, if you don't learn anything from the examples in the Old Testament, you got to know that your words matter. Speaking the word of God is everything. Agreeing with God's word and lining up with his word, that, that will take you a mighty long way. And so, uh, once you, if you don't get that, you know, you're, you're missing it because, and to have the right spirit about you, a good attitude in your heart, a humble heart where you'll listen to God and, and let him begin to instruct you on how to live. That's what he wants us to do is to live. So, um, in second Kings chapter 20, we have another example I want to show, uh, in how to die another day. You don't have to die today. There's so many people now recovered from COVID. Amen. And they decided they weren't going to die. They were going to live. Amen. Even though there was such fear promoted and still is about this illness, just the fear itself can discourage you from even choosing life. See, once you get in there and you choose life, then God's on your side. Now that's, that's what you gotta do. You gotta make that choice. And he, he will come for your words and come for your faith. So in 20 verse 1, in those days, Hezekiah was sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah, the son of, son of, son of Amos, came to him and said to him, this is what the Lord's saying to you, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. You know, if it was me, I said, ooh, it's going to take me at least 15 years to set my house in order. <laughs> you know, anything. Oh, set your house in That's going to take a long time, Lord. I'll know. Are we talking today or we what are we talking about? But he turned his face to the wall and prayed. That's always a good thing to do. I don't care what kind of bad news you get. If you would turn away from the source. Huh? Get alone with God. Don't look at everything around you that you want to hold on to or you need to hear from God. He knows you want to hold on to stuff. Can't lament. I might have to, if I die, I'm going to leave my children. I'm going to leave the house. I'm going to leave my good career and all that. You can't, you can't focus on that. You have to focus on you and God. Because he's your only help right now. Amen. You you might be motivated to stay around by different things, but you still got to get life from God. He's the source of life. And so he says, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in truth and with a perfect heart and done that which is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass Before Isaiah was gone into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again, tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day you'll go up to the house of the Lord. And I will add unto your days fifteen years, and I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs, and they took it and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. 
And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me? And what shall I go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? Isaiah said, The sign shall be that you, uh, the sign that you have of the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing he has spoken. He shall let the shadow go forward ten degrees. Oh, shall he let it go forward or go back? Hezekiah answered and said, It's a light thing for the shadow to go back. In other words, I ain't going to be so sure that's God. Give him something hard to do. Give him something only God can do. He said, let it go back 10 degrees. Now, the scientists say that 10 minutes of time have been lost from the earth and nobody can account for it. Amen. So this is a law. Amen. God did that. And the prophet Isaiah cried unto the Lord, and he brought the shadow ten degrees backwards, by which it had gone down to the sundial of Ahaz. And over here in Isaiah 36, we see another account. Isaiah 38, what did I say? 36? Isaiah 38. And verse 1. It says, In those days Hezekiah was sick unto death, And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before you in truth, and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord God of David thy father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add ten to your days fifteen years, and I will deliver you in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and defend this city. And what do you want the Lord to do? Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees which has gone down and the sundial of Ahaz ten degrees backwards, so the sun returned ten degrees by which it was gone down. This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he was sick. So here's the details. See, this is what you want to know. And recovered of his sickness. I said in the cutting off of my days, I shall go to the gates of the grave. I am deprived of the residue of my years. In other words, if you think it's too soon for you, talk to God about it. Amen. I said, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord in the land of the living. I shall behold man no more and with the inhabitants of the world. Mine age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I have, I have cut off like a weaver my life. He will cut me off with pining sickness from day into night. You will make an end of me. I reckon till morning that as a lion, so will he break all my bones. From the day even to night will you make an end of me. Like a crane or a swallow, so did I chatter. I did mourn as a dove. My eyes fail with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. In other words, he started to confront all his fears of dying. And he decided to petition the Lord to get me out of this. I don't want to see this. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. He says, what shall I say? 
He has both spoken to me and himself has done it. I shall go softly all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So will you recover me and make me to live. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but you have in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind my back. That uh, that has to be addressed. You see what I'm saying? He pled his case before God. It says, for the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot celebrate you. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living, he shall praise you. As I do this day, the father to the children shall make known thy truth. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. For Isaiah has said, let them take a lump of figs and lay it for a plaster on the boil and he shall recover. So Hezekiah did all his petition to the Lord. He began to think about what was going to happen to him if he did die. And he decided, I'm going to plead for my life. Amen. I'm going to stand for life. I don't want to see this happen. And I think choosing life, even when you have a death sentence. So here he gets a death sentence from God and gets the courage to choose life anyway. Amen. Life over a death sentence that had been handed him by God. And I think it's amazing how God's word is so true. He said, choose life. So instead of accepting death, even from God, Hezekiah chose life. And he began to recount to God all the things he had done. He said, hey, I ain't been no lightweight player around here. I've been doing stuff. You know, I want to continue to do stuff, you know, for you. And, and I think that's good. You know, it, some people have been rescued from death and haven't done anything for God. I mean, he'll have mercy on you and you see some people, God, if you, if you get me out of this, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to, you know how that goes. They choose life. Amen. Just make that life choice. And then God holds them in life until the remedy comes. So Hezekiah was held in life until Isaiah gave him, uh, the instructions for, for the medicine, act of medicine that would heal him. Now people have studied the fig poultice and all the China's, what's in it? You know, faith is in it. It's the same thing as in anything that you get for a remedy from God. He had to have the faith to have that administered to him so that he could get the result that God said he would get. So it didn't matter what they put on him necessarily. You know, people say, well, you know, they treat boils with sugar. Yeah, but that don't work all the time. I, I remember working in nursing homes and, and they had so many cures for bed sores. You know, the only thing that works is just not to let them form. You know, if you can get, keep them from getting in that position, it's so much better than trying to have to cure them. So, yeah. But Hezekiah had no doubt had a septic infection in his blood because that boil was getting in his bloodstream, the, the toxins that were in it. And people do die of, of over, you know, overwhelming sores, that kind of stuff. And so, he was able to get his healing from God. 
this this passage of scripture I like in Isaiah because it talks about what a person goes through when they're tormented by the fear of death. See? And and when they're they're fear of death is one thing, but when it's been handed to you as a decree, see, that's something different because it'll stick on you. You know, you gotta you gotta plead against that thing and make sure that you can get out from under the pressure of it. Amen. And so that's what Hezekiah was doing. And he described everything that went through his mind. He described how he pled before God and, and began to tell him, you know, I can still praise you. When I'm dead, I can't do any of that. And, and so God reconsidered. He petitioned him. He reconsidered and he said, I have seen your, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. And I will heal you and add 15 years to your life. Amen. He had to recover because they were in the midst of an impending war. And so Israel would be without a king in that battle. Amen. Now he had a son. Somebody was going to take his place. But it would be much better for him to withstand the enemy because he'd had some experience with that. You know, Israel certainly might have been defeated had Hezekiah died. But God was going to let him die anyway if he didn't step up and start to intercede for himself. And to me, this shows the power of choosing life, but also interceding for life. Continuing to petition for life. How many people have been told by medical community that they were terminal and, and they'll reach out and enter and get people to intercede for them and choose life. Amen. That it's good to make that choice and stay with it. Don't let yourself get talked out of it. Once you make the choice to live, don't let yourself get talked out of it. Amen. Sometimes people say, oh, this is too hard. and You know, it's going to take, I don't know, I just keep getting worse and worse and worse. But if you choose life, you keep choosing life, it can turn around at any time. So you just never know. So you, that's what faith is for. Faith is to keep you choosing life and, and expecting things to turn around and turn in your favor. Amen. And they will because God will come for your choice. He'll come for your words and he will send help for you when you really, really need it. So Hezekiah got 15 more years. Amen. Uh, Assyria was defeated and God did everything that he said he was going to do. But this is probably one of the most amazing healings to me in the word of God because God told him he was going to die. And he talked God out of it. Amen. That's, that's the, the thing, the appeal that it has. So it shows me there are no hopeless cases. It shows me you can always pray for somebody. I don't care how bad they say they are, you know, and pray for them every day. God give them the strength today to get what they need. You don't have to keep asking God to heal them over and over. He heard you once you believe it and receive it. It's on the way. Amen. It's manifesting some kind of way to a degree or another. So God has heard your request and he's, he's executing it now. And if it takes time and sometimes people will take what they call a turn for the worse or it looks, looks worse on the outside for a while. You know, there's all kinds of things that pop up manifestations that come and and all of that i remember um 
uh, oh, what was their name? Spielman, Chris Spielman. He had a wife, Stephanie. This was back in like, he was a football player. And, um, I think it was Spielman. It wasn't Spielberg. It was Spielman. This was maybe during the nineties, I think. Late eighties or early nineties. I forget who he played for. But his wife, Stephanie, his very small children, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And, you know, back in the day, they would shave the heads to show they were, you know, so he shaved his head and was very supportive of the wife. And I remember the day that she got up and told a group of people that it had spread to her lungs. And she says, um, don't get upset about it. It happens sometimes. And I thought to myself, I said, now that's kind of a curious way of handling bad news. But she was very peaceful about it. She was very calm about it because they had gotten so much publicity that she kind of felt to give people an update on how she was feeling. I'm not sure what kind of affair they were at, but she says, she says, she said, don't get excited. It happens sometimes. But she went on and she lived another 20 years after that. You know, she, I mean, she saw her kids graduate. She saw them get grown, all of that. And so it, it just reminds you that that choosing life on a continual, in other words, instead of her succumbing and say, oh boy, I've been afraid it was going to spread. You know, she just said it happens sometimes. And I think that's the only thing we can say too. You know, if you say if you're fighting a disease and it begins to progress on you instead of reversing, we always expect it to reverse right away. The minute we start praying, we expect it to look good, start looking better right away. And if it doesn't, suppose it continues to progress downhill. You still choose life. You must continue to choose to live. God, I am not moved by what I see. I believe it will be unto me as you have said. And you have said I'm healed. Amen. And I believe I'm healed. And I believe in spite of what I see right now, my healing is in motion. Amen. You're working it out. You're bringing it to me. I'm getting it anyway. And I think that's, that's something I, I, I made note of that when she said it. And I said, Lord, I said, well, we had her on our prayer list. Everybody I know of people in the ministry prayed for her. So many people prayed for them. And, um, and she recovered. I mean, she must, she got her five years and then some, you know, I think it probably came back on her after say 20 years or so. But you know, sometimes that's, part of the deal they have on in their hearts you be careful about what you carry in your hearts because her prayer might have been god just let me see my girls get grow up see what i'm saying so you put a limit on your life by what you think you're living for amen that's why it's always good to transfer your hope and your purpose for living off of physical things and onto spiritual things. See, this is one of the keys to Hezekiah getting a light sentence. Amen. Getting 15 more years. He transferred his faith. He didn't say anything about much about the material things that were on the earth. 
He didn't say, I'm a king. I'm going to miss having my kingdom and having all my servants and all this stuff. But he talked about his relationship with God. God, dead people don't praise you. Amen. (laughs) This, This is what you put me here for. To lift you up. To live as an example before men so that they can look at me and glorify you. And know that I'm serving you. That kind of stuff. So I think if you can transfer your faith from something in the natural to something over in the spirit, it will add to your life. I don't see how it couldn't. Because you're putting yourself over in eternity where God is. And then eternal things get to be your portion. Eternal things get to be your focus and what you live for. Amen. And, and so I, and I think it takes the pressure off of your natural life. You know what I'm saying? You know, as, as you see the things that you think you're living for, um, begin to mature and, and begin to change. That's not a, see, if you've got adult children where they were small, you want to see them grow up. Now they're adults. Don't need you as much. You know, unless you just really want to hang around for the grandkids, you can throw that in there. But it's good to transfer it on to something eternal. You know, something that God, because God, I'm here for you. You know, I'm here to do your will. What are you doing that I can get involved in? Give me something I can sleep on tonight that is a plan for tomorrow. I want to be involved in it. And I think if you involve yourself in eternal things more and more and more, you'll see longer life. You'll have a more satisfied life, I think. You know, you'll, you'll have, you'll be able to see people and take them into eternity with you. You know, there'll be people that you meet on the street. Always think about that. Here's a person. If I can pray with them, I've done them some good. But if they'll receive Christ, I can take them with me. And you begin to take a whole bunch of people with you after a while, you know, because you, you're doing God some good. And, and that's what God desires. He, he wants to see laborers come into the, to the fold. So it's always good. So, um, that's God's plan. Amen. For us to, to always be involved in eternal things. Amen. Eternal things. Um, in Second Kings, let me get over there first, because I, I think it's Second Kings twenty. Pardon me. Oh yeah, Hezekiah. Like I said. All right. So let me see. Yeah, I'm thinking Seven Kings. Second uh, Kings seven. Okay, there was a, I think this was a three-year famine that was coming to an end. The prophet Elijah had already prophesied three years earlier that there would be a famine, but he didn't say how long. But he said it would end at the speaking of my word. So in other words, God told me to tell you it's going to start, 
And when he tells me to tell you it's over, that's when it's over. Amen. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? Then he said, Behold, you shall, your eyes will see it, but you won't eat of it. Amen. And so the Syrians then, there's, the Syrians had been attacking Israel and attacking Samaria and says, and there went four leprous men at the entering of the gate and they said one to another, why should we sit here until we die? Now, it is kind of interesting because they could have sat there if they believe what the prophet just said, they could have sat there and waited for food to show up is my thinking. Huh? But they probably thought if food would show up, could we buy any of it? Because it looks like it's going to take money. There's going to be buying and selling. So they probably saying, hey, if they do get this food and have to sell it and can sell it, we ain't getting none anyway. Amen? If they don't have the means to buy it. Plus, they're lepers and they're outcasts, and they probably just are accustomed to not, I mean, they're accustomed to living begging, eating scraps, however they could could manage, this is what they did. And it says, he said, he said, if we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit still here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. So, to me, the important thing is, these guys didn't believe the word of the prophet either. You see what I'm saying? So, they said, if we go in the city, the famine is still there. And if we... If we sit out here, we're going to die anyway, so let's bust a move. So they choose life. Amen? Here's the same thing again. They choose life, and they decide, we're not going to die today. We're going to take a chance that we might live on the slim chance that if we fall into the hands of the Syrians, so we're just going to wander into their camp, and let them know we came from Samaria and, and you know, we, we don't want to die. They've got a famine going on. It, it, you know, we're not your enemies. We're your friends. Can we get a little food? What can we do? So they leave it up to pretty much up to the hand of God to determine their fate. But once you put faith for life in motion, that will always produce See, they made the choice to live. Amen. They said, we have a chance that we might live. So there's a desire to live there. And so they make that choice and they make that determination. And then it's up to God to come and help them live. 
It's, it's all, it's that simple, folks. Every day you get up, God, I'm gonna live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Huh? Even, even if you're not sick or have symptoms or whatever you wanna, how you wanna categorize yourself. You know, there are people that catch the Rona and don't recover. There are people that, that get in accidents and don't recover. I'm not gonna die, Lord. I'm gonna live and declare the works of the Lord. Amen? And, and just choose life every day. God, keep me in life today. Keep me in that place where, where your abundance is, where your faith is, where your help is. So from that point forward, they choose life. They said, why sit we here till we die? So that's choosing life. Amen. They decided they weren't going to let death come upon them. They were going to fight it. They were going to, in, in perchance that they might be able to live. Because they didn't have any assurances that they would. But somehow that idea came to them. Amen. And I think God was in that idea. Once you make the choice by faith, then God has to do the rest. See, it's up to God to put the rest of it in motion for you. Amen. And so he will give you a plan to live. He will give you an idea to overcome. He will give you all the help you need to carry out things that pertain to life. And so they decided that they just weren't going to sit still anymore. That's always uh, an indication of faith. See, faith is an action. Faith has a corresponding action to the decision you make. So there will always be a, a corresponding action to your faith. For Hezekiah, he chose to live, he refused to die, and he began to talk to God about it. Amen? When Israel got bitten by serpents, they went to Moses and repented. They used their faith to get favor with God, and God sent a remedy. He always sends a remedy, folks. He always sends a remedy. He always has a plan for us to come out, to rise up, and to do his will. And it says what happened was they rose up at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And then when they come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was nobody there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, oh no, the king of Israel has hired uh, kings of the Hittites. And just their imagination went crazy. See, God knows how to get the enemy to move. He knows how to put him to flight for us. It starts, though, with us choosing life no i'm gonna have to die another day i can't die today this this just ain't a good day for it i don't care what the doctors have said i don't care i don't care what god just said to me amen this just ain't a good day for it lord let's get another plan amen god knew that these lepers were gonna do this he made it easy for them to get in there. In other words, when they said, why sit we here until we die? Another idea popped into their heads. And that was God. 
So God put the idea in their heads to throw themselves on the mercy of the Syrians, go into the camp. If they kill us, they kill us. You know how it is when you step out in faith. It feels risky. Huh? Because you can't look at the natural anymore. You got to stay out there in the realm of the spirit where you, not as familiar to you. Amen. And so there they were and they, they choose life. It immediately God gives them an idea. It happens fast, folks. He's not going to leave you fasting and praying for 15 days to figure out what approach to. When your life is ebbing out of you, come on now. He's got it in motion already. God said to himself, all I got to do is find some people either crazy enough, risky enough, or desperate enough to go in that camp. To go see what's up. And so they decided to go in there. And when they got in there, everybody was gone because God scared them away. Amen. So really anybody who could have gotten enough nerve to go in there would have found the same thing. But everybody in the, in, in, uh, of, 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 uh, God's people, everybody in Samaria was totally caught up in what this man had said. Cause on top of the prophet's word is cast a spirit of doubt. Come on now. If that God would open windows in heaven, that seems impossible. But then Malachi 3.10 says there are windows in heaven and God pours us out a blessing. We won't have room to contain it. So he's talking as though it's not possible for God to bless them. And that puts a damper on everything. You You don't think that means anything. But the minute God wants to sow a seed of faith and encouragement, the devil will come and, and pour another seed on top of that. Try to get as many people in unbelief as possible, as many people to miss their blessing as possible. So there will always be some doubters that are willing to speak up and discourage people's faith. And I think it had a great impact. Amen. And it says when they got in there, there was no man there. Verse six, verse six tells you why. And it says, wherefore, in verse 7, they arose and fled in the twilight, left their tents, horses. They were under threat of being killed. And when you are that desperate, you leave everything. You don't take anything. You, you're running for your life. And so God caused them to run for their lives. The, the Bible says the wicked flee when no man's pursuing them. Amen. He just gets scared to death and all of a sudden just take off running. Amen. And hey man. <laughs> it says, and when the lepers came to the othermost part of the tent, they went into one tent and had a party. They carried silver and gold and clothes and tried on everything. Amen. Had a good time. But this was a work of God. And you don't get carried away celebrating when God's hand is on it. And when God's presence is there. Amen. Because if God, if God caused them to hear this noise, God moved in to those tents. He moved into the Syrian camp when they moved out. 
It says, and the lepers came to the uttermost part. We did that in verse 9. They said to one another, fell under conviction. God used them to break open that city. And he made them repent and say, this is this thing that we do, this isn't right. We need to go tell the king. Because then they start to reflect. And didn't that prophet say there was food coming and we didn't really believe him because that guy standing next to the king discouraged us? But we decided to choose life. See, they weren't choosing to believe all of that stuff, but they chose life. Even if you don't believe what's been spoken, you can choose life. And God will show you. Yeah, that was me talking, and it will come to pass. So they decided to, to, uh, he said, this is the day of good tidings and celebration, and we're holding our peace. If we wait till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. See that when God's conviction comes on you to do right, it's strong. They think to themselves, God's hand is in this, and if we don't do the right thing, In this, something bad is going to happen to us, just like it happened to these people that left. Amen. So he says, we need to go and tell the king's household. So they came and called to the porter of the city, and they told the king's house. The king was afraid. He didn't believe it. It'll shock you who really believes God in situations. A prophet believed it. But he knew it would take God to bring it to pass. All he was told to do was announce it. He wasn't told to do anything to help it happen. Amen. So that's far as far as sometimes our words can go. We can decree a thing, but we got to expect God to bring it to pass. He did prophesy that the big mouth guy that tried to discourage everybody's faith. See, when you, when you shame a prophet, when he's speaking by unction of the spirit, you really come into the the wrong place in God because they carry the word of the Lord. See, that's why the Bible says don't despise prophecy. Just weigh it and judge it, but don't try and see. You see all these people out in the public condemning this prophet. They said this, and that that is not God. Amen. Amen. If you don't believe, just button your lip, keep it to yourself, and keep moving because you don't have to believe it. But they are degrading the word of God and treating it as a common thing instead of a holy thing. And see, so you got to be careful about stuff like that. So anyway, the king finally caught on. Amen. They they decided to take a few horses and test it out, see if it was there. And in verse 15, they went after them into Jordan. Along the way was full of garments and vessels. The Syrians had cast away in their haste and the messengers returned and told the king the king still thought it was some kind of trap it says and the people went out verse 16 and spoiled the tents of the Syrians so a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord and the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he had leaned the day before to have charge of the gate And the people stampeded the gate and trampled him to death, as the man of God has said, who spoke when the king came down to him. Amen. And it came to pass as the man of God had spoken, as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, tomorrow this will happen in the gate of Samaria. And so, choosing life, extremely important. 
just choose to stay in the hunt. Choose to stay in the race. Choose to be healed. Choose to reach out to God for things that pertain to life. And really, it's not so much all the time having to do with sickness or physical healing, but we choose life when we decide to get up and serve God. It's better than serving the devil. See, when you choose life, you get up and you say, God, I'm your servant today. What can I do? I'm I'm here for you. I'm at your disposal. What are we going to get involved? Give me a plan. Show me what we're going to do. And that's choosing life, folks. That always works. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding that comes with your holy word. We bless you, Lord, and we honor you and we thank you and we praise you that you do all things well. You know the end at the beginning. You know the end of a thing from the beginning of a thing. And we thank you for that, Father, and what you are doing for us. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you.